Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Mark. I am joined by James as per usual, and we are joined by a guest. Over to James, who will intro them. Hello, how's it going? Welcome back to the podcast, and we are joined by one of the greatest to ever do it um, in the wheelchair basketball commentating game, uh, a giant of the very small world of wheelchair basketball media, and yeah, my, my, my good friend Dylan Cummings. How are you doing, mate? I'm I'm all all good, mate. I uh, thanks for the great intro. It was very very nice of you there. So yeah, pleasure to be here. A uh, big fan of what you guys do. So yeah, excited to be here. Thank you for being here, man. We should um we should say at this point you've bailed us out after we needed to fill this guest slot, which is being recorded on Wednesday to go out on Thursday. Um, after chasing various guests up and trying to make schedules fit, we basically pinged you a message and you were like, "Yeah, sound. I'll do it." So. Yeah, you us, so thank you for that. Anything for you guys. So. Oh, Dylan, thanks. It's it's kind of worked out well because we wanted to get you on at some point, but we wanted we wanted to like have something concrete to talk about in the world of wheelchair basketball. So our plan is to talk a little bit about you, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Euro Cup groups because they came out last week at some point, and should be some interesting stuff throughout there. So before we get on to that. I would like to start with the same question we ask every guest that comes on here. Uh, how did you get involved in wheelchair basketball? And then for you specifically, how did you then shift over to the media side of things? Um, yeah, so I'll try and go through this as quickly as possible, but it's kind of a long story. But No, um, no, we've got all the time in the world. Right. So um, I grew up in the Highlands of Scotland, um, and then uh, my parents separated when I was 14, my mum moved to England uh, in Penrith, which is near Carlisle. And then she Googled um, wheelchair basketball clubs in the area and she found Carlisle Panthers. So I started there. Uh, it's almost 10 years ago now, like it'll be 10 years in January. Yes. Started my career there, trained with like the likes of David Iron, Nat Pattinson, those sorts of you know guys that you guys came up with in the juniors. Yeah, sure. Um, and then I went to Worcester uh, to, to do university and played down there for three years. And then I moved uh, to Edinburgh in, 20, in 2019. And now I train at a recreational club in Edinburgh, uh, just a small little club. And um, yeah, that's the extent of my playing career so far. And then um, in terms of... Um, Getting into the media side of things, I went to uni to study journalism down at Worcester. Um, and then through that, uh, my Scotland coach, Tina Gordon, who Mark knows very well. Uh, shout out to Tina. Yeah, shout out to Tina. Introduced me to Stephanie Gagne at the IWBF. Uh, I'd done some um, write-ups for, the, for those guys. And then Steph said to me in the summer of 2018, there's, there's an opportunity to go to the World Championships. Uh, but I, I, it would be self-funded. So through that, I met Martin Schenk, who's the editor of Rock Magazine, um, who is the head of media at the 2018 World Championships, um, who took a chance on me and put me on commentary, something I'd never done before <laughs> at the time. Uh, looking back on Hamburg, I, I will honestly say Hamburg is, to this day, the greatest experience of my life. Um, but... Hearing myself from back then, I do cringe a little bit because <laughs> I, I made some great moments there. It, I wasn't exactly, uh, how do we say, 
the most neutral kind of guy. And I've definitely learned from that going forward. And, you know, since then I've been to the 2019 Women's Euros. Um, I went to the, I was a journalist at the Tokyo 2021 Paralympics. That was a phenomenal experience. If you would have told me that I would have went to the Paralympics, I would have, I would have never, ever believed you. Sure. And then yeah. this summer I've went to the, uh, I've done the Copa del Rey uh, Champions Cup finals, um, America's Cup. So that was another great experience. And then I've recently just um, interviewed the legendary Patrick Anderson uh, as part of a partnership with RGK. So that's pretty cool. So it's good to see that things are um, finally t- uh, taking off again after the pandemic. Yeah. Other podcasts are available. Um, yeah. No, I'm joking. Um, we'll get onto that in a minute. But a uh, question I wanted to ask you is if someone was, super into wheelchair basketball but maybe didn't think they had aspirations to play at a high level and they wanted to get into sort of calling games or writing about games like you what sort of would you have any advice for them or would the advice be get off my lawn there's only so many jobs (laughs) Uh, and i'd be certainly happy to help out as many people as possible like the more people we get into the media side of wheelchair basketball the better um so yeah, I would I would maybe su- suggest like start writing match reports for your local club, uh, commentate on games for your local club. Obviously, that's easier said than done because you know you need the equipment for like live stream and that sort of stuff. But I I would just say uh, do as much as you can and you know keep knocking on doors, email people, email national federations, email clubs, tell them you're interested, and sort of just work your way up from the bottom. And just keep knocking on doors, I would say, really. Yeah. Have you found many national federations are sort of willing to help you? Or have you been sort of disappointed with sort of funding or invitations to tournaments in the past? Or even clubs? Um, oh, this is going to be a difficult one to answer. Um, you right. don't, you, you don't can be a politician. Yeah, you don't have to throw anybody under the bus here. You can just say no. Everybody's been great. If that's what you're. It's um, like obviously funding and money is like it's a massive issue, in, in wheelchair basketball and like, um. So I've not, you know, I've had plenty of invites, but a lot of them have been or, oh, like, we we'd love to have you, but we we can't afford to cover your costs. So come at your own expense, um. But yeah, I'll just say, uh, you know, Glasgow Rocks have been brilliant with me. Uh, I commentate for them on a regular basis. You know, uh, they're a good, good bunch of guys. Uh, the Dutch Federation, uh, Basketball Experience Netherlands, are a great group group of guys. Um, where, where else have I been? Uh, Brazil were very uh, welcoming at the America's Cup. Uh, you know, I got, I got my uh, accommodation and all that sort of covered uh, by them. So that was great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like obviously, I would like maybe to have a bit more support from home, but it is what it is, you know. And uh, you know, I've just got to keep doing my own thing and and pushing ahead with that. Sure, man. I think it's really impressive because there's there's a ton of people who, like, I imagine when you say you went to Worcester to go and do journalism, I imagine you didn't think in a million years you would be kind of the face of wheelchair basketball media. You know, a handful of years later. Um, and I think you probably would have thought that even less or anybody in your shoes would have thought that even less in the circumstance of, you know, funding not being consistently available. So 
the amount of obstacles you've overcome in terms of making this happen for yourself is like really impressive. There's tons of people who would have been in your situation who would have been like, oh, you know, I can't realistically, I can't pursue this anymore. So did you have one of those moments or has it always been right? I think I'm on track now. I'm going to make this happen. Come hello, high water. Um, Again, it's, I do have moments when I think like, cause I'll be honest, like, I do spend a lot of my own money doing this. Um, which to, to some extent I don't regret because I'm making opportunities happen for myself and I'm having good life experiences. But at the end of the day, like, um, you know, I save up a lot of money to sort of make these things happen. Um, and I, I do have moments where, I, you know, like I, I do think, oh, should I really be doing this? But then at the end of the day, like when I'm at this tournament, these things kind of pay off. Um, but... At the end of the day, I, I, like you said, I'm I'm the face of wheelchair basketball media. I, I I don't think I am. I'm just a guy that loves the sport and cares about the sport so much. So I, you know, I, I just hope people realize that all the stuff I do is for the for the love of love of the game. Hundred percent. Okay, you alluded to it uh, in your little intro there, but we couldn't have you on here and not ask you about this. You got to go and interview Patrick Anderson. Um, when he came over to the UK for a bit of an appearance with RGK. Uh, Pat's somebody we would be very interested in having on the podcast. So Pat, if you're listening, or Dylan, if you have his phone number at this point, if you guys are best buds. Um, but can you tell us, Dylan, anything that, you know, the avid wheelchair basketball fan would want to know about the time you got to spend with Pat or any, like, detail about him that impressed you more than what you already knew? Well, uh, you'll have to watch the parts of the interview as they come out on a weekly basis. <laughs> Ooh, um, that's, that's a tease. I like it. No, but um, I mean, yeah, I'll be honest. I, I was starstruck. You know, it's Patrick Anderson, and uh, he was a very humble guy, um, and a you know very down to earth guy. But me, as a as a fan of the sport, I can't help but be in awe of, you know, Patrick Anderson, the greatest of all time. Yeah. Um. And there was uh, bits after the interview because I sat down with them for a good hour and a half and they've they chopped up the interview into all these little bits that are coming out on a weekly basis. Uh, but I remember going to the... Um, we went to an outdoor court and they were filming him doing his chair skills and his tricks. And I was just sat there just like, just honestly just in, in awe of all, all the stuff he could do. And it's, it is just amazing. The chair skills he has and the... You know the athleticism and everything like that. It's just, um, it's it's just incredible. Sure. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that they're coming out in six minute segments because when it, when you did all this, it seemed like you guys were together for like at least a full day, and then the first video came out and it was six minutes, <laughs> eight seconds long, and I was like, "Are you joking?" Did well, how, how bad was Dylan's language that they had to cut an entire day's worth of footage <laughs> down to six minutes? It'd be like when we had Amy on here. Yeah, I, I just had a moment of like, if the, did they present it as if you guys were together all day on Instagram and it was actually like, no, no, Dylan, you get six minutes. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm excited to see what's um, coming out in, in future weekly. When do they drop? What day of the week? Uh, I have no idea. That's completely up to RGK. So oh. I, I, I wait for them to email me and then I say, yes, this is okay. Publish it. Cool. No worries. So... That was obviously one of the biggest highlights for your career in terms of people you get to interview, but not even specifically talking about 
people, but what have been some of your favorite interview moments, whether that be pre-game, post-game, um, podcast, long form, short form? What have you been? What have some of your highlights been? I think the one that comes to mind immediately was the one with uh, Gareth Chowdhury and Dan Highcock from. I knew you were going to say that. Champions League preliminaries. Um, was it? Is it three? Oh, it's almost going to be four years ago. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, uh, you can take away two years in the middle there that no one did anything. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I don't know. I th- I I just think overall, like the the amount of connections I've made through these interviews is just incredible, and like the fact that I can just message somebody on Facebook or Instagram and say, "Hey, would you fancy doing an interview?" And it more than likely say yes is just incredible. Um, and then. I suppose just some other key moments was like I, I always I've always had fun you know with um chatting with Yannick Gaz Terry on the like Spanish roundups we used to do yes so, yeah that that was fun and, and Rose right you well did... yeah Rose yeah yeah so come on you can't leave Rose out you can say stealing all our guests yeah basically <laughs> that is a fun idea though I don't know how you manage that because me and Mark have spoken about maybe trying to get two players on at the same time and I think that stresses us out but obviously one presenter and many players and obviously like I really enjoyed that so if anyone else wants to go back and watch it they should look it up but obviously there were various points where like you know those guys all kind of know each other and respect each other so you can just let them go to a certain yeah. extent as well yeah, definitely. I think um, balance it. The thing we've always settled on when we've said, would we do two guests at once is like balancing the personalities. And I think you like strike a fine line when it's guys who are friends coming in between like they'll, it like won't be awkward or like icy or anything, but they're also likely to get carried away as w- you could probably argue was the case with your um, Gaz and Dan interview from a handful of years back. But yeah, Fun if you've not seen that, go back and watch it because watching it in any circumstances is incredibly surreal. <laughs> it's like I think that was maybe the first one you really broke through, Dylan, in terms of like an interview that got published. I think that one got shared around a ton. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um it's de- definitely a, a funny moment for sure. And I, I haven't seen Dan in a long time, so I hope he's doing well. Yeah. Yeah, sure. man, shout out Dan Highcock. Hope he's doing well. Um Question on the other side of things, obviously you've got a lot of really, really positive feedback over the years. Have you ever had any sort of negative feedback about either your journalism or calling games or whatever, if you don't mind me asking? And uh, how do you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, like, um, just really back to Hamburg, I mean, I, I did get a lot of positive feedback, but um, there was a few negative comments. And uh, looking back on it, I do get it, like, because... It was my first time doing commentary. I'd never really done it before. And uh, it's something I've, I believe I've really worked hard to improve on. So, yeah, those, those negative comments, they did affect me um, from, you know, as, as negative comments would. But, uh, you know, it's, as long as you try and improve on, on what you're doing, I think that's the main thing. And I, I definitely think that I think there's a massive difference be- between me from Hamburg and me from Rotterdam a year later. And there's an even bigger difference between me from Rotterdam and say, for example, the Champions Cup in 2022. Sure. 100%. Do you have another, um, do you have another commentating gig lined up for an upcoming tournament? Would you have been going to Dubai or was that off the table before the tournament itself was off the table? 
Um, so it was in the process of being discussed, uh, but uh, fingers crossed, uh, I do get to go to Dubai. So, um, cool. yeah. Well, best of luck with all that, man. Um, in the meantime, we'll talk about some tournaments that it looks like actually will be going ahead. Yes. Shall we talk Euro Cup 2023? Yeah, let's do it, man. So the plan here is to work from the qualification tournament up to Champions Cup qualifying groups and might even make some predictions, but we'll kind of go through what we think might happen. Uh, obviously, we're going to spend a little less time on the qualification tournament than we will on Champions Cup because we will just know less about the teams and maybe care less about the teams. But uh, And yeah. also not want to mispronounce a load of the names in here. So I feel like if Mendel's still listening to these and correction sectioning us in his head, we're going to get some heat for this one, I feel like. Yeah. Shout out Mendel. Yep. Yeah. Shout um, Mendel. So qualification tournament, we should prefix, prefix all of this with saying... Uh, obviously, we had reduced versions of Euro Cup for like last year and the year before, uh, where teams were kind of selected just for the finals. I think two years ago, it was just the Champions Cup final eight. And prior to that, it was just Euro Cups, um, like Champions Cup and then Euro Cup one and two. So the big news is the points carry over from any standings accrued in the last two years doesn't count towards anything. And as a result, we have Hanover United, who I think by the like final standings were maybe the 11th best team in Europe last year in the qualification tournament for next year's Euro Cup. So Group A, Ellen Shallon Basket, Hanover United, Bears Wheelchair Basketball Club, I take it that's Warwickshire from the UK, right? Yeah, so, I, I assume that, yeah. yeah. yeah um, my only doubt was it said Basketball, and I wondered if that was there for a different language and a different country, but... That looks very Turkish, doesn't it? Um, then we got Roller Bulls BC, who I believe are French, off the back of a quick Google, and just the words Maid Al Kroom, who, if you guys have any info, better than I am. Nope, I know nothing. I think we'll get this one out of the way straight away. If Hanover don't win this and qualify for the actual next Euro Cup, I would be stunned. Any advances on that? Um, my advance is a further question, and it is: Do they have a final between Hanover and probably Murcia? Or wait, no, they're in different. Are they in different places? Yeah, no, never mind. I'm being yeah. dumb. <laughs> One's in France, and one is hosted in Murcia. So Group B is Murcia Plymouth Fusion, who I think are a new startup UK club. Yeah. Um, they're not even in the top UK league. So what the doing qualifying for Euro Cup is beyond me, but I'm not here to qualify to qualify these things. Yeah. Uh, Panathinaikos of Greece, Hot Rolling Bears of Germany, and Rolling Rebels, who I think are from the Austrian League, although anyone listening, feel free to correct me on that. Um, James has spoiled this, but Dylan, do you see any outcome of the qualification tournament other than Hanover and Mercia punching their ticket to... Uh um, yeah, I would agree. Hanover and Mercia sh should win this by a comfortable margin. Yeah, cool. Um, you're our, um, probably more the brains on the UK stuff, Dylan. So, what do you think of these UK teams who are maybe not the most accomplished British teams? Yeah, who are making it into this qualifying tournament? It feels a little bit let's just show up and see what happens to me. 
Yeah, so, I mean, um, it is de- it's difficult because um, I, I don't know much about the the non-Hanover and the non-Mercia um, teams. Um, but, uh, you know, Bears have got a, a couple of good players, you know, Jacob Robertson, Harry Blythe. Um, oh, okay. So, you know, but really, I mean, I don't think they'll finish bottom, but it's hard to see them making a final. But then again, I don't know much about the uh, this the French team. So yeah, I think that the ultimate takeaway from this qualification tournament is there is a fully fledged professional team in each, and then some mixture of amateur slash amateur with maybe a couple of professional guys. And if the professional teams don't win their respective groups, then what are we doing here? I mean, you could even argue Hanover should just be in the main dance anyway because they finished. Yeah, they were your League One runners up last year. But <laughs> I think, I guess the thing is, like, once you, you have to go to the qualification tournament to then be able to start building up points. And maybe it's if teams have like a sort of longer term plan and the sort of finances to support it, maybe the move is to get your foot in the door. But I would also like to take this opportunity to express the fact that I don't understand the Euro Cup seating, never have and never will. I was talking to Mark earlier and I described it as, if anyone here remembers playing Pokemon games on the Game Boy Color, there was a level in Pokemon Red where you had to find your way through this building and every time you stepped in a certain place, it would just teleport you to somewhere else. That's kind of, I like, I, I have no idea. Like, there could be a weird thing where, like, third place in the qualification tournament sends you to Final Four. Like, I have no idea. Yeah. I, I don't know how it works and I never will. <laughs> I just show up and play. Like, I, I don't get it. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's smoke and mirrors, man, to say the least. Um, I think we had Jan Haller of Hanover on here ahead of them hosting last year and it was even he working for the club and like putting the bid in to host the Euro League uh one finals was like, yeah, it's beyond me how this works. They just come back with some stuff occasionally and we say okay. But yeah, I think we're we'll probably not hear more of the qualification tournament than hopefully good news that Hanover and Mercia will be promoted into the main Euro League for the following season. Um that kind of t- they'll be moving into Euroleague three for twenty twenty four if they do win that, um, and that's ultimately a good thing because having a quick look at our Euroleague three groups that we've got here, I would say there is some imbalance of teams that, like you mentioned, James, are on that rebuilding path, um, and kind of working their way back up from the bottom, uh, and a mixture of teams who I assume have just been around Euroleague three and there's no demotion mechanism, so. I think, for example, Megas Alessandros have been in EuroLeague 3 every EuroLeague that I remember in the history of the world. Um, so, Dylan, we'll throw to you on this one. We've got three EuroLeague 3 groups. If you had to pick right now, who is winning EuroLeague 3? Um, right. I'm going to... I'm going to potentially not give you a straight answer, but I think the final... Is going to be Viadolid against Sasserai. All right. Okay. Here's a question: Is it someone who drops down from Euroleague to qualifying? <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, but I think I actually think. Well, maybe you're just anti Viadolid at this point, but I no, no, I agree. Like they're the two best teams in this. 
Yeah. I just don't understand how this works. <laughs> yeah, somebody will drop down from EuroLeague 2 for sure. Um, EuroLeague 3 is weirdly a little bit weighted. There's um, Le Puyenvelay, Sassari, as you mentioned, Dylan, and Vidalid all competing. Uh, they're obviously probably above this standard, but are working their way back up. Mm. Um, yeah, I think Vidalid potentially the favorite here. In the other group is kind of a slew of unknowns. Uh, Treviso hosting Group A with Megas Alessandros, Lepers de Guen. Um Oh, the Mustangs, they were meant to show up to um, the Sassari EuroLeague 2 finals last year. They didn't. And yeah. a Turkish club whose name I will never be able to pronounce, no matter how hard I try. Um, yeah, I mean, this is kind of where we get into the weeds of all this stuff. But what do we think about the fact we've got, as you mentioned, Dylan, Sassari and Vidalid's probably a final. They could maybe be competing a level or two up from where they are. Yeah, definitely. I I would agree with that. And then... The only other one that I can think of is uh, Bergamo. I, I know they've got a couple of good uh, Argentinian players. They've got the um, that Gustavo Villafania, the guy with one arm. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, they've got also, uh, Joel Gabas. Yes. As well. So um, I'm not yeah. too sure who else they have. So that they could be another, you know, one that could be up there. But... For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we're looking at realistically Vidalid, Sassari and Lepui all seeing this as their year where they're like hey let's just see if we can get through this and get promoted but I don't know if there's also like a French league team for example Lille um, Caps are in there. Kappa Kappa Tichi from those who oh, remember yes. Euro, Euro <laughs> otherwise known as KKTC it sounds like, it sounds like a frat <laughs> yeah <laughs> it really is uh, for anyone who didn't listen last year, there's the Turkish team KKTC uh, with Italian commentators was read out every single time as Kappa Kappa Tici, which sounds... I don't know why they haven't just changed their club name to that entirely. Um, Spending Dylan, full half watching this with Anna being like, what in God's name could that mean? Uh, it was a real, like, I sat and Googled it for like 20 minutes. It was terrible, but... Yeah, no, I think by the lead, um, Sassari would be a hell of a game. Yeah. The one thing about by the lead is I think Yelmer is still playing with the junior point, is he? Yes, yeah, he is. So uh, that's that's yeah. an issue. Okay, cool with that. Yeah, it's, this is um another Euro Cup thing where this is going to affect the Spanish teams more so than anybody else. But I feel like the Spanish teams just accept it at this point. They're like, hey, we'd rather do do the point deduction for the long run and if our lineups aren't the strongest for like three weekends out of the year then so be it i know that's your guys approach with manu is it not james oh for sure like i don't know if it's a specific approach but it i know it's a thing that has hurt teams over the last couple of years well we spoke about it two years ago when the champions cup was an all german affair and then we kind of stayed pretty quiet about it when it was albacete against the union last year so uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, I'll throw throw you guys both this question. Vidalid, Sassari, Le Puyanvillai, the top three teams across these groups. Group B of the Champions Cup, which we will preview in a little while, is an utter shambles. Would all three of these teams... I don't teams... know if that's fair. <laughs> I think it is. Um, yeah, I, I, well, I would have to agree with Mark with that one, James. I don't know if the word shambles is appropriate. I, I think the, if the point it that is, you're making... It's certainly weaker. 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. Just terminology. I was kind of fair enough. Fair problem with, but yeah. I'll stand corrected. Um, would any of these three Euroleague three teams, would they have a chance at qualifying for the Champions Cup quarterfinals if they landed in Group B? Yes. I, I would say Sassarayo and Vidalid could win Group B. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think just the word shambles. I don't want you to go around calling five full professional teams <laughs> a shambles on our podcast. Okay, okay. My bad. Well, no, uh, well, I guess if you look at it, like Vidalid have beaten Grand Canaria this year already, right? Yeah, and you guys. So uh, well, yeah, and us, but that's kind of, that's only a group A thing. But yeah, they're a real team. They're they're good. They deserve to be put in there. Um, Lepui, I am not sure, but probably on Sassari for sure. Yeah, like, I feel like if you roll out Berdun, Mendel, um, Joachim, uh, Esteche, and Spanu, yeah, you get it done. Uh, Robin there as well, and yeah. Demaranda's Dem- still on his way over. Yeah. I think he just didn't play their opening game because the Brazilian uh playoffs were going on. Yeah, so yeah, I think that's Sa- really dangerous, man. Um, we didn't, we didn't talk about that game last weekend when it was a one point, like, well, yeah. that's because it was Julian over Sassari, and the plan for this episode was to have a specific Julian over player joining us. Um, so maybe we'll get to cover that game at some point in the future. Yeah, go back and watch that game. Yeah. Where can you watch the Italian games? Because I can't find them anywhere. That one is on the Dinamo Lab Sassari YouTube page. Right, I'll need to check it out. Dylan, you're such a pro, man. You're a man of the people getting the information out there. Cheers. I like it. With Dylan being like, but where would I find it? To be honest, guys, I've only really watched Spanish League so far this season. Sure. Uh, which I, I do feel bad about because I've not watched any German uh, German games. But Is that because Sport Deutschland is unusable? Uh, I would have to disagree with you on that, James. I wouldn't say it's unusable. I'd say it's um, a pain that they don't have it on YouTube. But yeah. it's not the worst. I've seen worse streams. I've also I've also never understood this argument because as much as anybody who plays in Spain or focuses on the Spanish league extols the values of YouTube, Sport Deutschland is just another website with a video player on it, and you click play and the video plays. I don't really see what the difficulty. Yeah, the only actual functional issue is not being able to like double tap the screen to go forward or back. Fair enough. Ten seconds, like that is the only real issue, and also it might be an incredibly beneficial deal for the German league and German wheelchair basketball in general. So I don't know anything, but yeah. Um, First world problems will file that. Yes. Right. And actually, but before we move on, right, I just want, and this is probably going to annoy James, but um, I just want to give a shout out to someone. Since we were talking about Vidalid, uh, shout out to Fabian Romo, because he hit an unreal three at the end of the first, was it the end of the first? End of the first quarter, yes. I don't, I don't think shouting out Fabian Romo is going to annoy me. He's been on here and is great. Yeah, that was unreal. I've watched that about a million times. I've watched that more than I've watched any German league game this sure. season. I think I'd be more upset if we lost by three. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh no, we'd only have lost by like 17. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Shall we group two? Um, uh, sure. Okay. Shall we? Um, Dylan, here's my question. Can you name one player that plays in Group A of Euro Cup two? Yes. Uh, wait, group. Um, 
<laughs> I'm sure you can. I just wanted to uh, say that's a no. I'm going to say Amit Efetuk, who plays for Esmia. Correct. Ooh. Also, Fenerbahce have got a ton of guys that... Oh, of course, yeah. The, the, yeah, the, that was going to be my thing. That's like yeah. most of the Turkish national team. <laughs> Plus, um, the, what's his name? Oh, Mohamed Hassan Sayari. Yeah, he's the... He's a, Iran, yeah. Sure. Um, a little bit Turkish heavy um, across these couple of groups. Fenerbahce are kind of, I think they were new in the couple of years before they did the reduced Euro Cup, so they were kind of on their way up anyway. Uh, but Group A hosted at Izmir with Fenerbahce, Mailan Grenoble, uh, Handy Basket Marseille, KS Pactum of Poland, and then Group B hosted in Toulouse with Bayhulakem, Tel Aviv, Flink Stones, uh, I think they're Dutch. Somebody correct me. Austrian, I think. Austrian. I think so. Um, and then Yezentep Sport Club, which I think is where Oscar Goblak is playing this year. Um, which is a little bit random, but Oscar Goblak's gonna be rocking Euro Cup too. And here's Handy Basket are coming back to Euro Cup after a few years away. So we will get guaranteed four Nico Joancer games. We might yeah. even get a Goebbelak Joancer shootout, which could be utter mayhem. Oh, that'd I'm be gonna, so much I'm fun. I have to correct you there, Mark. Um, I've, I've just, I, if anyone knows a guy, there's a guy called Jose Martin. He posts where everyone is signed for the season. Oh, yeah. He, he somehow finds it, he finds for every single league. And on his yeah, sheet, no, he does it, man. It says um, Goebbelak signed for Galatasaray. So. Okay, cool. We get Goebbelak in Champions Cup, then that's even better. That's that's at Bilbao as well, isn't it? So have fun, James. I was gonna say we have to try and put that fire out, do we? <laughs> I don't know if it's like you're like last year, I'll be handed out water. I don't know, but well that um, might fire out. Um it, it might. <laughs> you're not allowed to just throw water at people when they make <laughs> shots. So um I think Fenerbahce are the kind of the big story here. You'd expect these guys to be, I'd say they're easily the best team at this level. Uh, I think probably their toughest competition is going to be either from Izmir, who they, I imagine, will know pretty well from the last couple of years of Turkish League, or depending on if you see Nico Joancer and Dominique Mosler as worthy rivals to the guys Fenerbahce have got. I'm interested to hear your guys' takes on that. Um, looking at Fenerbahce, like they have Ismail Arfer, Gumuz, um, Sayari, Ibrahim Yavuz, um, Morteza, um, and a handful of other guys. Like I don't, I don't. Oh, I, I forgot it. they had uh, that Iranian three pointer. He's, he's yeah, yeah. So I, I don't see, I, I don't know. I don't see them having problems. But I'd like to, I'd, I'd like being wrong with this stuff because it means we have some fun games. I, I reckon Fenerbahce and Esmir is going to be a close game. Yeah, I think. I also think there is just a natural like. The Turkish League games aren't massively consistently available, but every Turkish League game is just the most like physical, hotly contested thing in the entire world. And I feel like, I don't know what you guys think at Euro Cup, but it generally happens that if you get two teams of the same nation, they seriously go at each other on like the Euro Cup stage. I remember having a Steelers one where we had two French teams. And it was honestly like they were putting on a fight for the benefit of everybody else. What be like? Look how good French basketball is. 
Yeah. I wonder if there's a little bit of a thing of like when you play another team, you've watched video and stuff, but you still have to go out there and feel it out. Whereas yeah. if it's like two Spanish teams or two French teams, it's like, all right, roll the ball out, let's go. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not wrong there. Uh, Fenerbahce, I would say favorites across Euro Cup too by some distance. I don't see anybody getting anywhere close to them. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay, we got some familiar faces as we climb the rankings then. Euro Cup 1, Group A held in Pilatus in Switzerland, who seem to host every single year. Um, They've got Bayer-Hellerkamp, Haifa, Handicap Sport, Vereze, Only Friends, and Lanyon. So I think Pilatus probably the most known quantity there. They're a good chunk of the Swiss national team, and I think have an average age of about 83 at this point. I don't recall them having a single new player in the entire time I've been following EuroCup. Um, Group B's been hosted in the Czech Republic, which I think slipped under the radar a little bit. Uh, Banja Luka are hosting Cologne 99ers, London Titans, Padova Millennium, and SC Devedo of Holland. So, any thoughts on this? And most importantly, how did a team from the Czech Republic end up in Euro Cup 1? Because I don't ever recall them being anywhere else. I have no idea. I once again, I was waiting for some, I was waiting for Dylan to chip in because I just, I was wondering if the bit of work he'd done for IWBF, they like hand you a little, a little book where they explain how people end up in each EuroLeague groups. But no. um, I, I don't know. There's a couple of good teams in each group, obviously. And obviously it goes on points over the last million years, or I don't know how many, 10, is it? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Which is mad. <laughs> yeah. Comp- you could almost say it doesn't form an accurate picture of the state of wheelchair basketball in Europe, but yeah, that would be, um that's probably a topic for another podcast. Oh, that's a fun one. How many teams that are like, say, Champions Cup level right now were Champions Cup teams 10 years ago? Oh, yeah. We could do like a, a year by year image of it, like a, a snapshot. Okay, we'll get on that next. Um, we've obviously watched a fair bit of Cologne, James. Is Euro Cup one the right stage for them? Um, they've been super inconsistent in Germany. They're probably the strongest on paper team, but I don't know if being if their on paper appearance has really translated to their performances so far. Yeah, I don't know. Obviously, they've got some talent there. Like, you can win some games if you show up and say Mustafa Korkmaz shoots well for a weekend, like, which he can obviously do. Um, like, I can score in, in some serious numbers, but yeah, I don't know. Um, Dylan, you being around the GB League this year, what have London Titans looked like to you, and how do you see that going in this group? Yes, they're a good squad. Um, obviously, they won the league last season, uh, and they've not really had much change to their squad other than uh, Charlie McIntyre joining them. Oh, yeah. Who's a, a great young player. Um, but yeah, I reckon they're going to be really strong in the British League, and I, I, I do think they are going to be strong in this league. I would look almost, I'm going to say that they're going to go, go and win their group, but then I'm probably going to get accused of being British, British biased. 
No, I'm with I'm with you on that one, and everyone knows we're not British League biased in any sense. But um, yeah, I think Titans might sneak to the top of the group on this one. I think we've seen Cologne struggle to score, and Titans defense has always been their calling card. Um, but yeah, this is it's an interesting one. I think Padova are probably pretty solid. They they haven't changed up a lot from the last couple of years, but Abdel Bogani is still there. I'm Ahmed Rorahi. Um, Cologne should win this on accumulation of talent, but I don't know if anything I've seen from them has convinced me yet. Yeah, I could see London Titans winning every game like 54 45, <laughs> just like grinding their way through it. Um, and Jack Perry being the absolute man, so yeah, they do have Perry. Yeah, we I'm... are, we are, we are un- unashamed Jack Perry fans on this podcast. Yeah, that's um. If Titans um win that one, they have beaten two fully professional squads. So, shout out to them. I think that's going to happen. Cool. And are we going Pilatus to win Group A? Uh, I don't remember who Haifa um have this year. Um, we're coming in pretty blind on some of the teams that aren't in Spain and Germany at this point because. All the other leagues are either not that readily available or have just started. Yeah, sure. I think Varese have got like one game under their belt and it was getting beaten by 60 by Santa Stefano. So it's like, draw, draw your conclusions from that. But um, I think Pilatus have enough track record and enough of the same group of guys year after year that you can probably assume they're the safe set of hands here. Yep. Happy uh, enough. I, I honestly have no idea who's going to win Group A. Um... Yeah. So you got, well, you were very pro basketball experience, Netherlands, Dylan. So you're going to go with only friends. Yeah, fair enough then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. James, we've arrived at your elitist sweet spot. Do you want to talk us through the groups for Champions Cup? Sure. Um, so, Bilbao, we are hosting Group A and we have. Uh, Gillianova, Galatasaray, Le Canet, and Manchester Revolution, formerly Oldham Isles. Um, what do we think happens in this group? This one's tough, man. I, yeah, that's the big one, isn't it, man? Well, no, the, yeah, no, I think that's probably the, I think the C is pretty good too. Group C has maybe the two strongest team because you have to finish top two in each of these groups to go through into, um, the quarterfinals, right? I think Group yeah. C has the most obvious top two. So if you would call that them being the strongest, that's up to you. I think Group A is the most consistently good or the deepest, shall we say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dylan, you've obviously seen a lot of the Manchester Revolution stuff. For people listening, they are the team formerly known as Oldham Owls, uh, rebranded. They've got a bunch of their guys back this year. Uh, Martin Edwards, Billy Bridge, uh, a couple extra guys like that. Uh, Dylan, what's your take on... These guys are obviously being thrown into the fire, having not done Euro Cup for a handful of years now, and being thrown into a pretty strong group. How do you think they stack up? Um, well, it, it it's tough because um, even though the British League is not the standard of some other leagues, I would say Manchester Revolution is probably the best British team to come around for a long time. Um, but I do think that they're gonna struggle, um, in in this pool. You know, if they were in Group B, they'd have a much better time of it. But um, for sure, 
Yeah. Same could be said for any of the <laughs> any of these teams in Group A who would probably win Group B comfortably. It'd be interesting to see how they match up with Lacane now that they don't have um, Ramone. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, Manchester always struggled with quicker teams. Um, they kind of always pressed the size advantage a little bit. Um, but I think, yeah, the Lacane thing, they're obviously way different without uh, Ramone. They're down a primary ball handler and don't have the top gear that they did have. Um, there was also the game a couple of years ago where not far off the same Manchester team took it to Galatasaray, I think, on Landil's court. And that was I think that ended up being a 10-point game, but was very nearly an upset. So do we see a repeat of that? Um, I I could yeah, I could see them taking it to someone. Like all you need to do is bring it to one of these teams and then yeah. you might scrape into a Euro Cup depending on how Euro League seeding works. Yeah. <laughs> but all yeah, of these groups they, you, have, they you start... have to finish top I think top two goes to champions, number three goes to uh Euro Cup one, number four goes to Euro Cup two. So yeah, there you have to go. qualify. Yeah. Um I personally am just happy that a lot of people that I know are coming to Bilbao, which would be great crack. Um but yeah like they don't they start Marty Edwards, Billy Bridge, Finn Tonner, Sophie Cargill, and who's their fifth Iranian guy? Uh, Ibrahim. Yeah. yeah, Ibrahim, yeah, yeah. Ibrahim, yeah. So that's that's a good five. That can give people some trouble. Like you've got Paralympians, world champions, like people who've played Euroleague. You know, you're not it's not the usual where you're bringing like amateur like a full amateur club to Champions Cup. Like you've got guys and girls who've done it at the highest level. So I could see them giving, depending on who shows up um, on the day, like I could see them giving some people some trouble. But Do you still back yourself to win this group, James? I think so. I think the one, that's what I meant to do. Two, <laughs> I actually believe it. Three, I think home court is a big one for us. Like we have some mad people who show up to our home games at the best of times but if you tell them that you can make a weekend of it and show up and just kind of park yourself there with a drum and a beer I think we'll have some serious support and I think that'll that'll make the difference obviously Julianova looked pretty good Galatasaray can always they always find a way to show up with as as I say apparently as Dylan said apparently Oscar Groblak's going to be there and he can just have 45 points in a game and win it for any team so yeah some unique challenges in there but i'm interested to see what see what we do but i wouldn't i would back us to pull it out uh, it's also going to be interesting to see if chema is going to play is it okay but i have no idea if he's allowed uh but yeah that's who yeah okay yeah, I thought you said Chema talking about us, and I was like, "Why is that interesting?" <laughs> um, but yeah, I I don't know what's going on there. Let people with disabilities play wheelchair basketball. But yeah, um, yeah. all right. Anything else on that group, Dylan? Uh, I think Bilbao and Galatasaray are going to top that group. Right. Okay. I was gonna. I don't know if it was a wild pick, but I was gonna, or if I was influenced by the fact they're listed second. But I was gonna pick Julian over to come second in the group. Same, but I also like if you ask me who numbers three, four, and five on Galatasaray are, I couldn't tell you currently. So once again, 
uneducated picks because doing research is for losers. <laughs> all right. Yeah, Dylan, um, I'll let everyone behind the curtain here. Dylan messaged when we asked him to come on. He was like, all right, I'm trying to do a bit of research here, but I don't know how much I can promise. And my reply was like, don't worry, I'm going to do none. So it's fine. Um, all right. So group B. Dylan, what has your extensive research shown you about Group B? What do you think is going to happen? Look, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm a bit disappointed with the, the um, how light this group is compared to the others. Uh, but I think Gran Canaria will top the group, and then God knows who's going to finish second. <laughs> I think um, Bramat Ghana, the team that. Um, had a bit of a surprise run at the Euro Cup one finals last year, if I'm not wrong. Uh, they ended up playing Gran Canaria in the final. I don't know if I'd buy them to do that again. Um, Gran Canaria have also just coming off a loss to Juventus, so bold pick there, Dylan, saying that, saying they'll um win straight off the bat. I'm a little bit suspicious that the uh Turkish club Mukhazy. They're kind of unknown relative to the rest of the teams, but I think they are the kind of team that will sneak up and win a relatively weak group. I think Turkish teams who get hot are generally pretty dangerous in these kind of weekend-long tournaments, so that wouldn't surprise me. Um, My takeaway from this is I can't believe a team that get to play in Porto Torres all the time get a EuroLeague in Gran Canaria. <laughs> like... I know you can't base this out on weather, but like, come on, you could have given someone who lives in like the colder parts of Germany or the UK a holiday. <laughs> and instead you're, you're sending people from an island to a different island. How <laughs> dare they? Now, um, the Gran Canaria thing obviously is Raul doesn't get a junior point, but they have another one five. Now they have just Said, who is obviously great. And, so they still have some sort of lineup flexibility there, but that has strapped them in previous seasons and might be an issue as well this year. But I don't know if they probably have enough quality to get it done. Who do Porto Torres have, apart from previous guests, Kitty Dandana? Omid Hadiazar and Kitty Dandana. Oh, uh, that might, that might get it done. Yeah, I think that. There may be a shot. They've lost Fabio Romandi, who was there last year. He's at San Stefano now, who we'll get to in a second. Um, but I'm going Gran Canaria and Mukhazy to finish top two in this. I think Hamburg are the team that doesn't get to a finals, given what we've seen of them so far in Germany. Yeah. Okay, Group C, uh, as alluded to, this one will is maybe the most top heavy. This is hosted in Austria by Coloplast Sitting Bulls, and this features Ilunion, Landil, CSMO, and Santa Stefano. Who do we think might finish top two in this one, guys? I did be a semi final from the Champions Cup last year <laughs> by any chance. What do you think, Dylan? Yeah, I think um, Elunian and Landil are definitely going to finish top two. And as a side note, that semi-final game of the Champions Cup last year is the best game I've ever called so far. What a game. Unbelievable. Yeah. I can't believe I missed your commentary because I was watching it live, but also watching it live was... I should have been like one of those old guys that has like a little portable radio at a football stadium um, <laughs> just so someone can tell them what's going on. But 
um yeah i had a lot of time i had a lot of fun watching that one because we were already done playing for the day that was a hell of a game yeah for sure who wins if when they play each other what's your call tough one um because that that could ultimately dictate which one of them goes to um Thuringen and which one goes to Albacete for the uh quarterfinal round, right? So we're potentially risking an all German or an all Spanish early matchup or crossover, depending on who finishes first and second. I don't know. I don't think so though, because I don't think Elunian can go to Albacete and I don't think Landville can go to the Bulls. Why is that? Because I think they've always done it so that the the two German yeah. and Spanish don't okay. cross over before the... Uh, James is nodding along, so I'll count myself as outnumbered on this one. I believe that is the case. I believe yeah. they try and divide you to a certain point until yeah. finals. Uh, rigging the system. Okay, we'll just leave yeah, it. Yeah, but they couldn't have rigged it to have like the evenly only, spread only... out groups. <laughs> The only thing it might mean is the two German teams and the two Spanish teams meet in the final four semifinals. Yeah. So. Yeah, fair enough. Which would ultimately be the same as a couple of years ago. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I would go, I would go Landil to beat Illunion, but I don't know why. That was just how it felt to me. I, I think we've only really seen Illunion play like one great game um and i think we've seen landil deal with a little bit of adversity when they had that comeback against hamburg obviously Illunion are a different class to hamburg slightly but i feel like we've seen more of landil's toolbox at this point yeah sure um i'm just not gonna call that game and hope we move on <laughs> although um, I, I do think Illunion uh, against stefano and landil against stefano is going to be a good game yeah, that was going to be my question. Is there any outside shot that San Stefano sneak up and steal one of these top two spots? It's a long shot. I don't see it. My more interesting question, is there any chance they don't finish third? Um, San Stefano, Mo. I think uh, Stefano finished third, yeah. Yeah, I think they do. Um, yeah, you can't sell me on Mo just yet. Um, should we do the Champions Cup? quarterfinals then based off of what we've agreed we think will happen yeah if you want yeah cool so let's say argument's sake we'll say group a is thuringen grand canaria um Illunion, and we'll say galatasaray to balance out the picks we made which mean group b is albacete landil uh, did we go Mackenzie for the other one? I can't remember who you guys voted. I uh, I yeah. voted Port Torres. Okay, we'll go Port Torres for argument's sake and Bilbao. So that's two quarterfinal groups. We got a Spanish and a German superpower in each. Top two of each group go through to the final four. Does anything unexpected happen or do we get the final four we could have predicted before any of the Euro Cup stuff came out? Right, hang on. Just run. Let Let's do the groups um one by one. So just run through Group A again, Mark, because I'm I'm lost at who we've said is going to go into each group. Let's do it. Okay, Thuringen, Illunion, Gran Canaria, and Galatasaray. Yeah. Okay. I struggle to call a top four 
that isn't the same as last year. Yeah, it's a long shot, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It could happen. Like, I don't know. But I don't know. I think they are probably the the, the top four teams in Europe. I don't think that's too shocking. You could see it, but... It, so, based on that, is everything we've talked through for the last hour or so utterly pointless? And the, we could have just played these four teams off against each other? Well, yeah, but wheelchair basketball is pointless and podcasts are pointless. So, <laughs> I mean, like, what are we doing here if we're going to yeah. have a problem with that? Okay, See, I, I would agree with you guys. I think the final four is going to be the same as last year. So. You would agree with us that sports media is pointless? Or... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Wicked. Okay. Try. Shocking news for anybody listening. Our predicted top four is Thuringia Bulls, Amiab Albacete, CD Lunion, Landil. Do we pick a winner at this point of the whole of Euro Cup? Um, we're going to have a podcast about this in like May so I hope we don't Okay. well we could do it now and we can see if we still agree with ourselves in May Uh, well it it really depends on what the semi-finals are going to be yes that's correct okay so let's say we get a repeat of the semi-finals we had last year so let's say we get Thuring and Albacete and Iluni on Landil oh it's a tough one Um, see Alba City and the Bulls is the toughest one to predict out of them all. Oh, random Alba City thing. Great to see um, Phil Pratt back in Champions Cup where he belongs. I've, it's, I feel like yeah. it's really strange that, obviously yeah. it was just a Madiba thing, but it's really strange that like such a great player at an international level has just been not playing Champions Cup based yeah. on the weird club stuff. Well, if he was still at Madiba, he would be right on the verge of dropping out of hosting the Euro Cup two finals. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I would have called Thuringen last year. I think Albacete are actually a better matchup for them this year uh, with the shuffle of personnel they've made. But I don't know. I picked Thuringen to win it all last year and I felt like they they were like a handful of possessions away from being able to say yeah, I think they might have a little more juice to them that having happened I'm going throwing her to win the full thing this year Ooh, spicy okay. um I am gonna go Albacete but I back, think back. The, the the final is gonna be Albacete Bulls I think right gotcha James um no you... point until we see the semi-finals like I I I can't predict because like it's matchup dependent and I, I don't know like I could see these four teams beating each other in a certain order so it depends what way the semi-finals end up Fair. haven't okay. a clue alright we'll let you sit on the fence just a little bit longer then no problem hey tune in sometime late April to find out my answer <laughs> right should we do questions for Dylan before we get out of here Yes. All right, Dylan, we put out on Instagram for some questions for, I would love to say our adoring fans, but you're adoring fans. And <laughs> we have some fun ones here. So the first question is, will Dylan be attending any prelims? Uh, are you allowed to say who these questions are from? Or oh, um, yeah. Should we, Mark? Yeah, I, I will. Any weird ones, I would keep anonymous to sort of encourage okay. weird questions. But this is from Finn Tonner. Oh, Finn Tonner. Um, okay, uh, first of all, shout out to Finn. Um, 
I am hoping to go to one of the quarterfinals and uh, the final four. Um, I've spoke to um, Basketball Experience Netherlands, and that's in the process of hopefully getting sorted, but I don't know yet. Um, and then I'm going to wait and see what the groups are in the quarterfinals, and then depending on what, you know, I've, I've worked with the Bulls before, and I've let Albacete know that I'm interested in going there. Yes. So depending on the groups and what the clubs say, I'll be attending one of the quarterfinals, fingers crossed. And then the, with the group stages, I'm not decided yet. I think the only one I'd really want to go to is Bilbao. Um, but I, for, I think I would have to fly, I would have to go Edinburgh to London, London to Bilbao, which is a bit of a um, long route. So I'm not sure if... I, if I've got the expense, I'll probably go, but I can't say for sure. Sure. Well, I've been trying to fit in a trip to go and see James, so I might circle the um, weekend of the 2nd to the 5th of February. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, the baby will be old enough to be left on its own by then, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Right. Um, next question. Right. Next question is, looking at the... Um, layout of the brackets here this is from mendel who says why a euro cup one and two called group stage and euro league three is called preliminary rounds no idea i'm gonna go with this is an old document that was like kind of mishmashed together to make it work yeah i don't even know how the actual functional elements of it work so i definitely don't know how the sort of administrative elements of it work <laughs> Um, maybe that got, um, <laughs> no, I was going to have, no, I don't know. Maybe preliminary just got carried over from like preliminary plans for world championships or I don't know. Um, <laughs> next question. Uh, how do you prefer for commentating on a game? Also from Mendel. Sorry, say that again. How do you prepare for commentating on a game? Um, well, yeah, I would um just uh, get like the team rosters up, and um like if it's a if it's like a, a club game, I I'd make a list of like players' number, players' name, players' classification, and their nationality, and then I'd do the same for a national team game. But instead of the nationality, I would put the the club team they play at, and I would just try like I I think I've got to a stage now where. I know quite the very top level players quite well, and I know quite a lot about them. So I would just um, you know, get uh, uh, put pull up a word document and have all the information of all the players and the teams, and then um, when I'm commentating on the game, I I, I would just any sort of facts or or statistics I know about the players, I would sort of mention as and when they're relevant. Sure. Cool. cool. Okay, up next, this is from Aaron Young, who asks, what do you think would be the biggest upset at Euro Cup? So it's a very open question. I don't think it has to be like a specific one team beats another team or like another team doesn't qualify at all or whatever you want. Biggest upset? Mendeba um... hosting the Euro Cup 2 final. Yeah. Okay. Some people would be upset if they managed to have the money for that and not for other yeah. things. <laughs> um, I would say either Stefano beating Landil or Lunian, or 
um, any of the top four that we think is going to go through not going through yeah. for the final four. I think anyone breaking into top four is the probably the big one, isn't it? It's, how long has this top four been the case? A good few years now, I think. Um, I think it's been the case since 2019. At least, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, no, I, I, I lie because um, Bilbao beat um, Albacete, was it the year oh, they had yeah, that, yeah. yeah. That was the weird COVID year, so that doesn't count. Okay. And, uh, uh, apparently it doesn't, according to points for seedings, yeah. but yeah. Those past two years never happened. Um, they were preliminary points. Um, I yeah, the boring answer for that for me is like Hanover or Mercia in the qualifying rounds, not yeah. beating everyone. That would be an upset, but I think but, there would be less eyes on that. People would be like, uh, next year they'll do it. It's fine. For and sure. Speaking speaking of Aaron Young, I'm surprised that Rhinos haven't figured their way into this at some point, but. I don't know how qualification works. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. There's like it's a lot to take in looking at all the groups, and then once you've like soaked it all in for a little bit, you're like, hang on, I can't believe like X team isn't here. That was the case with like San Stefano for ages, where it's like you guys could probably be in one of the Champions Cup groups the last five years, and they just either weren't bothered or didn't want to do like four years of working their way up the rankings. Dylan, can I name this podcast Dylan Cummings? Uh, quotation marks. I don't know how qualification works because I feel like that's been a theme. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Next question from Mendel again. Who would you really like to interview sometime? Oh, um, you can say us because this is us interviewing you. Oh, yeah, definitely you guys. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> gang, gang. Let's do it. Um, Again, maybe this is a cop-out answer but um, because I've interviewed him before. But I'd love to interview Steve Stereo in person because I've actually, I've never had the chance to, um, yeah, have a sit-down interview with him in person. Yeah. You'll not you'll not get him into any RGK building, so you'll have to find <laughs> a way to do that independently. Uh, or maybe, maybe I'll have to message before, Max, you never know. So. Oh, playing both sides, Dylan. I love to, I love to see it. Um. <laughs> Yeah, let let all other wheelchair basketball media just tear each other apart. <laughs> uh, up next from Yannick Blair asks, uh, "Who is your off the court All Star Five? So this is presumably the guys you've met who, not factoring in any basketball ability, would be the group of guys you would want to hang out with." Does it have to be the points? <laughs> so, so, like the guys that um, more like in like terms of like partying. Yeah, I guess so. Right. However you interpret that is up Do to I have you. to include me in this five? No. no. Right. You're so, coaching. Right. You're the it, coach. Right. Immediately I'm saying Yannick Hassel. Um, oh my god, I'm gonna have to really think about this. If you somehow managed to go like three other Bilbao guys from last <laughs> year, I mean from two years ago. Um no, I I doubt there in your answer. Tom O'Neill. Uh, man, this is tough. Um Right, Yannick Hassel, Michael Operance, Tommy Bomber, and one more. Um, I'm gonna say you can fit uh, uh, no a right. half points um, max in there. Um, yeah, yeah, um, Yannick Hassel, uh, come on, wow, come on, think, 
Yannick Hassel, Michael Oprince, Tommy Bomer, and Mark Beiser. That's way over points, man. He's able bodies. Yeah, I was matter. gonna say that's like that's three points over or something, but it's all right. You, you put me on a night out with those five guys, we're gonna have the best fun. <laughs> I thought you were gonna be like, you put me on a night out with those guys, someone's ending up three points less than they were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dylan. Okay. We're, speaking of Michael O'Prince, we got another question. Uh, yeah, Michael O'Prince asks, who's your favorite Aussie? So you've picked two in your all-star five for all players. So do you have to decide between them two or do you want to just throw a spanner oh, in the work and just pick like I'm Steve Irwin, rest in peace? Um, favorite Aussie? Um, Kylie Minogue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. Uh I I can't choose between him and Yannick, man. That's not that's not fair. So I'm gonna say Yannick's my favorite Aussie guard. He's my favorite Aussie big. Cop out. Cop out. I would have just said like Margot Robbie or someone. Yeah. Oh, yes, a... Steve Irwin. Yeah. Yeah. Rest, rest in peace. Um. All right. Um. Tom Smith asks, can you predict the next breakthrough Scottish player for the GB squad? Scottish player. Um. I'm gonna have to say Ben Leach. Because uh, he's just signed for um, Unes FC Barcelona, um, yep. and it's great to see him out in Spain. So hopefully they get promoted to the Division of Honor. Um, yeah, and love Ben, good guy. Definitely, man. And anyone who watched him, Commonwealth, I think it's fair to say he's got some legit talent. He's come a long way, and he's a huge guy now. I remember when he was a kid. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so why it's scary. It makes me feel old. Yeah, man. <laughs> when we when we pull that game out in the qualifiers, I. Sort of went over and shook his hand and told him that he was the best player in the best player in the room all all evening, and I meant it. Yeah, so hopefully he does well there and it propels him on to to bigger things. All right, last question from Tom Smith: Who is his dark horse? Should we say for Champions Cup just to make it? Yeah. So we don't have to pick four dark horses. Dark horse. Um. Basically, any team outside that top four that could win it is probably qualifying for that. Outside of the top four. Um, yeah. Because I don't think any of those four teams winning it is shocking. No. So can I only give one answer? Yes. No, you can do whatever. Okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, oh, I am going to say Bilbao. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, that was my pick as well. Ah, thanks, guys. You're too kind. Well, well, that, won't be me. If we're being too kind, that's us being like, uh, we'd be surprised if you did well. Yeah, that's you being like, uh, maybe fifth if I had to think about it. <laughs> cool. Right. That will be all. Dylan, thank you for coming in, man. And you're welcome back anytime. And we look forward to you interviewing us at some point. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. You're going to have to do like an alternate universe episode where I'm the host. <laughs> And I agree with you guys. So. Yeah, get us into RGK. Give us both try rides. We'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to speak to Mike Sheen for you. Oh, right. right, Dylan, before you get out of here, let people know where they can find your work or anything that you're up to at the moment or anything that you want to tell people about using this podcast. Go right ahead. Um. Yeah. Uh, keep listening to the podcast. It's um great for wheelchair basketball and these guys are great so yeah keep listening to it i said big yourself up not us yeah but thanks imagine if we were like hey thanks for being here before you go say something good about us um 
Facebook, Dylan Cummings, and uh, LinkedIn, Dylan Cummings, Instagram, Dylan on Wheels, Twitter, Dylan on Wheels. Um, yeah. Cool. Cool. Thanks a lot, man. And we'll speak to you again soon. All right. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. You're the best. Thanks for listening. And we hope you feel somewhat better informed or at least better informed than we are at this point. (laughs) All right. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Bye bye. Be good.